Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three three. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. Welcome to Off the Bench. Danny Cannell and Raja Bell. We are here. We have a lot to react to. Finally, we got a good game to yeah. talk about. As the Rockers, uh, Rockets Warriors came down to the last minute, there was a last second shot that could have won it. We're going to break down Brandy Chastain, believe it or not, because there was something that was out there that was trending and it was hideous. We'll get to that. And uh, we're going to do some move the needle discussion. Does it move the needle for you? Before we get to the basketball, though, I came to a realization probably yesterday, and it's not a very good realization because I think it's too late. Because we have the summertime coming up, right? Sure. So it's time to get out on the beach, get the beach body going. Yeah. I think I'm skinny fat. Oh. You talked about it the you, other day. You said you played with a couple guys who were skinny yeah, fat. Shout out to Sean Bradley. Oh, I didn't know you were yeah. going <laughs> That's my guy, though. Go I love Sean Bradley. Like, just. Yeah, I'm yeah. skinny fat. So yeah. I, and it's too late. Like, I'm going to the uh, family. You're going, are you going to, are you going to fight it or are you just going to go straight dad bod for the summer? I'll just go straight dad bod and yeah. own it. No, I'll, I'll get in shape by probably like the time, you know, July rolls around. Right. When I'll probably get in shape. Yeah. So it'll be, you know, kind of late. But yeah, but I'm, 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 gotta try. Labor Day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you exactly. go. <laughs> <laughs> it is Florida. So we're out all the time. No excuses now. So I'll have to work on the skinny fat part there. Um, all right, let's do it. Let's talk about the Rockets Warriors because we finally got a good game. There have been so many blowouts. Final was 95-92. Warriors had a shot to potentially uh, tie it up late, win the game late even uh, in the last couple seconds. But for the, the Rockets, I thought this was a monumental win for them. How impressive do you think it was? It was huge. Um, look, you lose, you lose by 41 um, in game three. You get smacked. Uh, and you go down 12-0 to start that game. You could have very easily folded the tent, and I mean, I'm not not everybody on your team would have probably folded the tent. But believe me, you're down 12 points on the road. That atmosphere is electric. There are a lot of people that could start hanging their head, and if you get two or three people to hang their head, that could just it could be an effect that you can't overcome as a team. So for them to stick with that um, and play the way they played defensively for me is what stood out. I mean. You saw, and I don't have the stat for deflections. I mean, they forced 16 turnovers, which is unusual for Golden State. Uh, but the, the deflections, the amount of times that they didn't allow someone to run to the spot he wanted to run to, the amount of times where a guy had to shield the ball by turning his back, that all spoke to the level of intensity defensively that Houston had. And that's what wore down. That's what had the cumulative effect on Golden State. It wasn't how great they were offensively. I'd make the argument that Houston didn't even play great offensively. Right. I don't think they did. They, but, I think they finished one for seven in the fourth quarter. Like, they shot awful, which is crazy. How did they pull that off? Yeah, they you defended know? the heck out of Golden State. Um, P.J. Tucker, out Draymond Draymond with 16 boards, four points and 16 big rebounds at, like, 6-6. Six, six. Like, they did the dirty work. They came in. They got dirty. It was. It meant more to them. They were more physical, uh, and they were quicker to the punch than Golden State was last night. So your boy I thought was crazy. Mike D'Antoni going into that game, and he took some heat for it, I think, and people were talking about it because he said he thinks all the pressure is on the Warriors. And I'm right. like, you're crazy. I'm like, your team with Chris Paul, with James Harden, with a history of failures in the playoffs, like the pressure was on them. But whatever mind games he was playing, trying to take the pressure off them, it worked. I thought there were two moments of that game which were turning points of the game. One was early, yeah. and it was when James Harden dunked on Draymond Green. I thought that was one, and it, it cut the lead because they got up to the 12-0 like, deficit. And right. Warriors came out and looked like, uh-oh, here we go. It's going to be another blowout. But when James Harden dunked on Draymond, 
and he didn't even get into it. I thought that spoke volumes to his teammates. Like, hey, he's here to go. Correct. And like, he'll never be a guy who shows a lot of emotion. That's just who he is. He's a cool cat. Like, he just goes out there and does his business. But that was pretty filthy. Yeah. The other one was on the Warriors' behalf. I thought when Steph did the little extra shimmy shake, which you thought was going to seal the moment. And it was extra, extra. It was an extra yeah, shimmy. Yeah. Like there was a lot of extra one there. And that was when you thought that's traditionally when the Warriors lock it down, they start taking off. Rockets weren't having it. I think it, I think it actually probably ticked them off a little bit. Yeah. And that was the first time that I saw Steph do that. And I was kind of like, uh, uh, I'm a huge yes. Steph fan. But I mean, like my daughters have the shoes, you know, I've always yeah. been like, Hey, he's a good role model. That was the first time I was like, yeah, it was too much, too much, too much. And it was too soon, yeah. obviously. And it, and it brought, uh, brought them back in the game. Uh, the three pointer was the key because the, the Rockets were trailing, especially at that point. They were down 10. They got back into it with a three. Um, they had 12 of them. They were 12 for 38. The rock, uh, the Warriors were nine, uh, for 27, uh, uh, from three. And it was, it was a, it was a, it was a performance. That for me has me nervous because I was like, the Warriors are going to lock this right. down after the 41 point game. I'm like, it's a wrap. They're going to be the NBA champs. I still would pick them, but I think now we have a series, which is great for the NBA. I think it's great for NBA fans. NBA, like Adam Silver's just got to be besides himself right now with what's going on in the NBA. But I mean, in these, mm-hmm. in this round, in the, in the conference final it was round, getting ugly. it was getting ugly. A lot of blowouts. It was just, it was hard to watch. People were tuning. I was tuning out, um, halfway through games. You know, it's interesting this series because depending on, especially that game, depending on who you're a fan of, you could spin it, right? Like, yeah. Golden State fans would spin it. Well, we didn't have Andre Iguodala. We didn't play great. Like, we had a historically bad fourth quarter and we only lost by three. I get that. But if I'm the Houston Rockets and I'm Mike D'Antoni, like, 12 for 38 is not that great of a shooting performance, right? You only really got buckets out of, out of, um, James Harden for 30 and 27 from, from Chris Paul, and then it was like 14 for Gordon. They didn't play great either. Like if you look at the numbers, that's not a, that's not an even an average offensive night for Houston. So depending on what side of the ledger you fall on, in terms of who you support, you can make the argument for that game either A being one we should have won, or B being one we should have won by even more than that. You know, so it is going to get really interesting going back to Houston. And what I'll say about this series is this: first of all. I don't mean to oversimplify basketball or sport in general, but typically the team that has more riding on the line, that ha- that's hungrier, mm-hmm. and that's something that you don't have to be a basketball or football mind to look at and see. That's something that should jump off the page at you. If you're Golden State and every time you go to make a catch, it's contested by a defender, or every time Golden State goes to shoot a shot, someone from Houston is running out with a hand in their face – or, like you can feel the level of intensity and importance from Houston side defensively. Whatever team has that kind of attitude about them typically is going to have a, a chance to win the game. And if Golden State chooses to play ISO ball because they have one of the best ISO players in the world, mm-hmm. Kevin Durant, no one can guard him, period, point blank. He's the best ISO player in that series, better than Chris Paul, better than James Harden. But they've got two of them, and Eric Gordon's a pretty damn good ISO player too. So if Golden State chooses to just play ISO ball with Houston – You've now put yourself in a precarious situation because Houston's one of the teams that can beat you with that. They've got to keep that ball moving, keep the people moving, find ways to get Clay involved in the game. And his game is not ISO. Chris, I mean, uh, Steph and Kevin Durant, possibly, but not Clay. Find a way to get him involved in the game. Let me ask something because you bring up an interesting point, and I can see it. I think everybody can see it when they watch games. How in the playoffs 
can you have teams that don't feel that sense of urgency, that desperation? Because I think you're seeing it in both sides, in the Eastern and Western Conference. Like, and like, but you see, like, I think that drives Steve Kerr nuts, and I think it's yeah. driven him nuts all season long. I think he tries to portray that, tries to say, hey, if you guys don't bring that intensity, you guys are going to get beat. And they're like, yeah, right, whatever. Right. And then, you know, even in the other side, and we'll talk about that, uh, the Eastern Conference in a little bit, but you've seen games where, like Boston goes to Cleveland, they don't look the same as they did at home. They don't have the same intensity. Like, how do you, as a coach, how do you get your team to play to that level of desperation when it's a seven game series? Uh, it's, it's tough. It's really tough. And I mean, look, I deal with, I deal with kids yeah. and trying to get them to do it. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's just tough. It's, a, it's a, it's more of a psychological thing than it is a physical thing. Totally. I mean, look, as a player, I don't know uh, football, but I could watch film uh, and think that I was giving 110%. Like, if you would ask me after a game, I would bet you my salary for that that night's game that I laid everything on the line. And then I could go back to the tape and watch it the next day and be like, Rob, you, you really – you weren't. Like, you were moving at, like, 75%. You just – it's hard to feel that when you're in the heat of the moment. You think you're doing it. Right. But you're not. And so – like it, it's different reasons for different teams. Like I would imagine Golden State because they've been to this could possibly be their fourth straight final, and they played all the way through June for the last three years. There could be a level of just mental fatigue in terms of the process of getting there. No, so I'll, you know I'm not making an excuse for them, but maybe that teams like Houston um, and, and Boston maybe just haven't gotten over that hump, so they don't know what it means to be on every game. But I think you're starting to see the Rockets tap into it quicker than Golden State is. Like, the Rockets realize what's on the line here. They realize they're this might be – they're hungrier. Watch Correct. them play. They're hungrier. Correct. So, I think this is a dream situation for the Rockets because now they've turned it into a best two of three. Two of those games coming in Houston. Will they get those two games? Uh, I have to stick with them because yeah, I've been you do. saying, like, I can't – And you should feel great. I think if you're a Rockets fan, you should feel absolutely great about where you are right now. I, I, I – like – as a Mike D'Antoni fan more than a Rockets fan, like you know I'm pulling for Mike. Mm-hmm. As a Rockets fan, I would be very, very invested, if you will, in game game five. They have to win game five. Mm-hmm. You cannot yeah, go back at home. You, yeah, yeah. You cannot go back to Oracle um down in a two out of three series and they can close you out at Oracle. You're not gonna beat them there. So yeah, I think I think the the series lies in and and probably statistics would back that up, but game 5 is a must win for Houston at home and you should feel good because you just beat Golden State with a defensive effort. Like that has never been the moniker of a Mike D'Antoni team. It's never been the backbone of of like what you do there in Houston. James Harden was fan I killed James Harden defensively. Dude, he was great late. Yeah. Which 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 is another thing that bothers me. Like, dude, don't let the cat out of the bag. If you can defend like that, right. where is defend it? like that. Oh, right. You know what I mean? Like, but you should feel good about that because you beat them and they didn't Houston didn't play well either, and you figured out a way to win on the road in the playoffs. All right, let's move it over to the Eastern Conference. Cavs Celtics has been the team of home game. Like it's yeah. been the home team has been dominant, and really the have games haven't even been close. So now you go back to Boston. It's turned into a two or three. Boston has two of those games in Boston. Um, can the Cavs carry some of the momentum they had in Cleveland? They looked like a totally different team. Can they travel with that back to Boston? No. Interesting. No. Because the Celtics are undefeated at home through the no. playoffs. No. They've been a different team. They, they Here's the problem for me, and we talk about it a lot. The, it's role players. Like this series has been kind of defined by what you're going to get from anyone other than LeBron James. LeBron's been pretty good, right? And so spectacular. He they just haven't been good. I do think that the that having some success at home will kickstart their ability to go out on the road and do it. But LeBron 
isn't great on this one night rest yeah. scenario and then having to travel to Boston. I'll be at a short flight, not like you're crossing the country or anything like that, but I don't know that his legs are going to have it in him. And look, I've been wrong all over the place in this series. So what do I know? But, but Boston's looked like they found something late in that game. Like it looked like it was going to be another runaway. Mm -hmm. Um, it looked like, you know, uh, J.R. Smith was cooking and LeBron and you had George Hill and, and, and Kyle Corver. And then all of a sudden, like Jalen Brown, flipped the switch and he and he started attacking the goal again and and then you had um you know you had Marcus Smart in the passing lanes and he was deflecting a lot of LeBron's passes some of the things that I saw in the first two games started to be present again late in game four and so if Celtics carry that over to the home court I think they should win game five I mean look I think I picked Cleveland so I'll cheer for Cleveland but right. if I'm betting I'd bet that that Boston wins game five you know who I want to see I want to see the team that has the best chance to challenge either the Rockets or the Warriors. Who is that team? Because oh. I think I, my mind is telling me the Celtics are a better team. Yes. But LeBron is otherworldly. And yeah. he's not going to be intimidated. And I don't think the Celtics are either because they're so young. They almost don't know any better. But I feel like – and I think the Celtics are better coached with Brad Stevens. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, I, I think the Celtics would give the best matchup. But bottom line, I think either team is probably going to get swept or it's going to be a five-game series. Yeah, I don't know that anyone coming out of the East is really going to put up that much of a fight. I, I would go with LeBron and company. And I agree with you, and we said it, like, the last time we were together. I think that you've got the best player in that series in LeBron James. And then numbers two, three, and four could very easily be Celtics players. Mm -hmm. um, and then you probably have Kevin Love. And then I'd probably tell you that the next couple may be Boston players, too. Um, having said that, when those Cavs players play well, like, and LeBron plays well, they pose a better threat to somebody coming out of the West. They've been there, they've done that, and got the best player on the planet. It's better TV, I think. I don't know that a Celtics team that has looked, look, they've defied all odds. They've, they've, you know, outlived everybody's expectations this year, but they're, the, the slippers gotta, like, disappear at some point. Like, Cinderella slippers gotta go away. And when you get into the finals, that's a different animal. Like, we talk about the playoffs being different than the regular season. The finals are different than the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And that stage can get really big for some people really, really fast. Right. And I would think that Specifically you, younger players. Specifically. Never been there. Correct. Right. Um, I think that you would probably... The finals can have this air. It's weird. The finals, like, just getting into the playoffs doesn't really shift your mindset as a player. There's no sense of accomplishment mm -hmm. from regular season to getting into the playoffs. I've been on a team that's gone to the finals, and I didn't realize it at the time because I was a really young player. But for some of the guys on that team, just getting to the finals was the achievement. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we, we still came out. We won game one against the Lakers, the 0-1 Sixers. But it, it almost felt like getting to the finals for some people was the sense of accomplishment. And so now you're not as hungry in, in the finals. And I imagine that the Celtics team oh, could, could possibly right. have some of that going on. You know, that was one thing that bothered me when Kyle Lowry was talking about the Raptors season. And he's like, our goal was to get to the finals. Yeah. He didn't say to win it. That right. kind of bothered me. Yeah, I was like, sure. you know what? I'm glad you guys got swept and got bounced. Because I want to see a team who actually wants to win. So maybe that has something to do with it. All right. You have to see it. We're going to do a segment here called You Have to See It. Because you do have to see this. Yeah. Brandy Chastain. Oh, my God. Former, you know, World Cup hero oh with God. the 99 women's team. So she was awarded. Uh, she was inducted into a Hall of Fame in San Francisco. Yeah. And she gets a plaque that comes out. And this plaque did not look one iota like her. Like, it did not even look like a female. It looked like an old 70-year-old man, yeah. and the internet actually had a field day with all the potential people that it could have looked like, 
But it definitely didn't look like Brandy Chastain. No, I mean my favorite was Rob Ryan, like an older, yeah. like haircut Rob Ryan. It was it was a terrible likeness of Brandy Chastain. Awful. And it brings me to the question, like there sometimes this happens to me with movies where I'll sit through a whole movie and it happened it, to me with this. Like who is the final like okay person on that? Who right. says, hey, yeah, you know what? You're, we're going to send that out. Well, see, here's that. the problem I have with it. The sculptor, whoever made this statue, yeah. black, whatever it is, like, I don't even leave the house without saying to my wife, hey, do I look all right? Correct. Like, you know, does this like, look okay? Who gave the stamp of approval on that? Right, right, exactly. Doesn't that sculptor show somebody that? And doesn't somebody have the wherewithal to say, no, nah, we can't go out with that? Look, now, maybe it took a while. Like, maybe that's the thing. Like, maybe you rolled it out. I like, don't before. care. Right. If I'm Brandy Chastain, I'm not even taking a picture next to that thing. I'm she looking actually at it. handled it really well. She took, she put a smile on her face, oh. smiled. Now, there was news that they did ask her, would you like it redone and she did say yes. You're no, damn good for did her. Did she say it politely or did she say like, <laughs> like you would have, she would have given her the Raja Bell answer. Like, you got damn right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that thing. So yeah, so, uh, good for Brandy Chastain. They actually asked, they, uh, this is the insulting thing. They yeah. said, can you send us a different picture to base it on? I don't care what picture you gave them. It does not look like that. I mean, we live in the day of like internet. You can't right. find a better light, like find a picture of Brandy Chastain. Like ten of them. You right. can picture the best one. Jeez Louise. All right. So good for Brandy Chastain getting a new one done. Hopefully it looks better uh, than that one. Is she the done. face of women's soccer? Like what was she? Is she like the most memorable that moment? moment? That was an iconic moment when she, you know, hit the. Go- so fantastic, right? What year was that? that? Was that like 92, 99? I think it was 99. You might be right though. It might that was early. No, was it? I think it was 92. You might be right. I may be wrong. 90. Oh, it was 99? All right. right. All right. No, that is, Jeez, that is one of the most, I would say Mia Hamm was the face of it. Right. That moment is the moment everybody remembers. Really cool moment. Yeah, no doubt. So we did, you have to see it. Now we have to do, you have to hear it. You have to hear it. So we haven't heard it yet, yep. but it was just a major announcement for the World Cup. And I didn't, I didn't realize this probably until 2010 when Shakira did it. Yeah. There's an official World Cup song mm. they make up. And Shakira, I remember like when my daughter's dancing around to it, it was like a catchy tune. Right. And it kind of goes, you know, trends a little bit. Pitbull and J-Lo did the last I remember that one. 14. You do? Because of J-Lo. Yeah, of course. Of course you were. Um, this was announced yesterday. Diplo, all in. Yeah. Skrillex and Diplo or just Diplo? <laughs> just Diplo. Just Diplo. Although Skrillex every once in a while. All right. Uh, but Diplo and Will Smith oh, okay. are teaming up for the official World Cup song. Now, I think this would have been great in 96. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't know about, I don't know about 2018, like where we are now for Will Smith. Like, I think his time as a rapper, musician, whatever you want to call him, like summertime. Like I One of the best. Oh, one of the bit. best jams. Of, oh, all, yeah, so. absolutely. But, yeah, yeah I understand what you're saying. Back in 96, right. whatever year that was. Um, yeah, do we have it? Like, Can I hear it? It was current. No, I don't think anybody's heard it yet. Yeah, nobody's oh. heard it yet. Well, you're teasing me. What are we? <laughs> right? Like, yeah, no. We'll have to hear this. I think Will Smith's, uh, Will Smith is one of those dudes I think that's just like, he's just Will Smith. Timeless. So if he, yeah, he's timeless. If he wants to get involved in something, you kind of like, you let him get involved, right? That's what yeah. you do. You kind of let him. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I mean, even if he, I feel like even if he, current. even if he butchers it, you're like, Diplo it's, and Kendrick Lamar would have been more main, like that would have been more current. True. Right? Diplo and Chance the Rapper. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been like that would have yeah. been something you could get behind. But Will's got that Will's crossover, man. Is. Will is Will is like mega and blockbuster man, movie star. You know what else he is? And I'm assuming some of these other guys, but he is a world like superstar. Yeah, right. So everybody knows him in the World Cup. I am uh, legend, bro. Yeah. So we'll have to we'll, we'll get a review when they come out and actually release the song. All right, let's move on to uh move the needle. Okay. Move the needle. Tom Brady 
Rob Gronkowski, Aaron Donald, Julio Jones, Le'Veon Bell, Khalil Mack. You know what all those guys have in common? They're all skipping their OTA. Okay. So uh, Belichick, you know, you can imagine he's not exactly thrilled with it. He came after he and did. said, yeah, I'm not going to talk about the people who aren't here. Guys who are here are improving, working hard, and uh, those are the guys we're going to focus on. Good for you. Does it move the needle for you? Yeah, it, it moves the needle for me a little bit. What are, what is o, what does OTA stand for? Uh, it's off season training activities. Okay, and now they and are voluntary. Well, voluntary, yes. but right. they're kind of mandatory voluntary. No, yeah. See, this is why it moves the needle for me. I always hated that like mandatory voluntary. Like if it's if it's voluntary, I'm not coming. <laughs> like I'm not going to be there if I'm not obligated to be there, and you can't make me be there. I'm not coming. And in the NFL, uh, be, be, look. Be, because, but see, you seem like the type of guy you would have been there. I probably would have been there unless I was in a situation like some of these guys are in the NFL where they lock into these contracts and they outperform the contract or the market changes dramatically. And now they are the number one quarterback or number one wide receiver in the league and they're getting paid like the, the 12th best wide receiver in the league. Um, if I was in one of those situations, I would use every ounce of leverage I have because, and only because, if I were underperforming in that contract, an NFL team would have no problem telling me they need to restructure it. So it's good for the team. Like, and fans see it as being good for the team. Like, if Danny's not living up to his $25 million a year contract and there are three more years on it, we're going to go in there, we're going to force Danny's hand, we're either going to cut him or we're going to tell him he's got to restructure that deal so that we got some room to, to navigate and do what we got to do. And a player's got to be able to do that too in a league where – where, where you have the ability to do it, and this is one of the only pieces of leverage they have. So I'm with it. I think it depends on where you are in your career. Like right. I think some guys earn the right to, you know what, they're going to come, they're professional, they're going to show up, they're going to know what to work. They know the playbook. Like they don't need it. Right. But the thing that's really interesting about it is Tom Brady, I think it was in 2013, it was like four or five years ago, he had a comment about OTA specifically, and he was like, this is where you get better. We <sighs> need everybody here. Like this is the intricate details, the yeah. championships. Like went in all in on OTAs. This moves the needle for me specifically with Gronk and Tom Brady. Like everybody else, I'm with you. Like some Julio Jones, I think he makes enough where he shouldn't be that disgruntled. He will right. be there. But with Brady and Gronk, I think there is very real tension that is between Bill Belichick and his star player. And right. I think it does have me concerned for the Patriots dynasty moving forward. The Patriots so way the, in general. Yes. And for that reason, it moves the needle because I think this is going to be a fascinating year. And what I think is going to be the last year of the Brady-Belichick combination. I don't think they're both back in 2019. Enjoy it now. Year. Yeah, so they better make a good run with it. All right, next up, Ben Roethlisberger's relationship with Mason Rudolph, his uh, new backup. Does that move the needle for you at all? No. Uh, uh, you can speak more to quarterback it shouldn't. relationships. It shouldn't. But when Mason Rudolph was drafted, Big Ben was doing a radio interview. Yeah. And he expressed his displeasure that, hey, we could have used a third-round pick on another position that would have helped us a little bit more. I still feel like I have more time left. Why are we – basically, the, the the gist of the message was, why are we wasting we a draft a pick on Mason Rudolph when I'm healthy, we don't have to worry about it? And kind of was like, you know, whatever. He talked about not being a mentor. It's not his job, which I'm cool with that. Right. But it came across – it didn't come across that great for Ben. It wasn't received well even by Steelers fan, especially – when he has talked about retiring well, that's the thing. Like three times, he's kind of right. fake retired. He's floated that message out there. That's why I was hard on him. Like, yeah. what, are, what are you doing? Like, now you say you want to play five more years because you have a contract that's coming up? Like, that's not cool. Ben did walk it back. Um, he said, I think people took some things I said into a context that I was going to mean, be mean or rude or whatever, and that was not it at all. I've never been the type to be rude or mean to other quarterbacks. 
he's got a big arm, blah, 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 like he talks about him, said, I thought he did really well out here at practice. They'll be fine. I don't think it's his place to do it. I don't think ultimately it's probably something that's a media blown up story because yeah, of the offseason. For sure. But I mean, look, athletes are human too. You stick a microphone in somebody's face and they wanted you to go out and get him a receiver in the third round. They may say something to the effect of like, why would we get a quarterback? I could have used another right. receiver. Like it didn't mean that there was some real animosity there. And to your point, like if you're the fool that keeps talking about retiring, like what do you expect the organization to do? Exactly. Um, I heard another story and I don't know, maybe you got some more. I heard that, um, um, Joe Flacco won't even text back Lamar Jackson. Is that an, is that an actual thing that's happening or is that also so, blown out of proportion? Well, I think it was blown out of proportion, but this is where I think it depends on. That was a first round pick. So Lamar Jackson. Yeah. And he's the future. Like, right. It, Joe Flacco is being shown the door like while we're watching it. Like he maybe has, a, it's his last year for sure. Yeah. And it's just a matter of time before Lamar Jackson takes over as long as he shows he's capable. So Lamar Jackson, they said, have you talked to Joe Flacco? And he said, no. And they said, have you texted him? He said, no. And then like it was more reported that like Flacco didn't reach out to Lamar. Okay. Now I think that's a, that's an individual thing. Like I, probably would have said hey let me reach out to the rook right like, let me just say hey welcome to the club can't wait to meet you right flacco didn't do that so i think it was probably over reported yeah i made flacco but i think that's one of those situations where the media that's can cultivate a message if they don't and i don't think the ravens fan base or media is in love with flacco and so they can portray him in a different light like oh and yeah. that's the way it was portrayed which i think is kind of messed so up interesting you know yeah. so so interesting so yeah you were onto that so that that one moved the needle for both of us <laughs> all right how about this one does this move the needle five star qbs are transferring at a pretty alarming rate so the latest one was hunter johnson who's just a sophomore he announced his transfer from clemson earlier this week so five out of eight of the most recent five star quarterbacks have hit the transfer market now hunter johnson He's got Trevor Lawrence, who's another five-star, who early enrolled, played pretty good in the spring. Right. He's there. You also have Kelly Bryant, who, Ooh. by the way, took the Clemson to the playoffs last year. Right. He's on the roster as well. So Hunter Johnson says, I'm going to bounce. Some other guys. Jacob Eason lost out of the job at Georgia when he got hurt to Jake Fromm. He's going to Washington. Kyler Murray transferred from Texas A&M to Oklahoma. Shea Patterson was at Ole Miss. Now, Shea Patterson's one makes a little bit more sense because they had some – Issues with the NCAA. Right. They had some stuff come down that's going to make it a lot. The Hugh Freeze was, you know, removed from his position. He goes to Michigan. Blake Barnett, I think, is the guy that gives me the most problem, and I can't stand what he did. He was at Bama, lost out of the job to Jalen Hurts, transfers after week four. Like, in the middle of the season, picks up, goes to Arizona State. Yep. Loses, doesn't win the job there, transfers again to USF. Like, this is a red flag for me. Why do you keep moving? Why are you afraid of competition? Right. Is it because you're not good enough? Is it because you want a guaranteed spot? For whatever reason, it's. A, I think it's a bad look, and it's making like you're supposed to be enjoying college, and right. you're bouncing around like you're not building any meaningful relationships. You're not learning anything to hone in your craft. Like some of these guys, I think, do it for the wrong reason. Um. Yeah, and I get. I think the reason he would have. Yeah, you're. You're right. He's probably not good enough, obviously, to be at Bama or Arizona State, and so, you know, I. Although I don't love the optics of leaving and going to three schools like that, I would say that everybody deserves a chance to like play in college. So if you're not going to get a chance to play like at Arizona State or Bama, well, find yourself Barnett, a situation. Go to some podunk like like to, I guess in two school because you're not winning a job anywhere else. It doesn't seem like maybe UCF is 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 on the I don't know USF. <laughs> USF, USF my bad. No, I'm sorry, UCF, not the Golden Knights. Right. Uh, no, but I it moves the needle for me a little bit because I never really understood. 
the mental the football mentality of like we're all top twenty quarterbacks and three of us are going to go to Georgia. Right. Like I never understood that. Like I'm I because I, I subscribe to like I wasn't anti competition. I like to compete, but I certainly wanted to go somewhere where I was going to play. Mm-hmm. So I never really understood that mindset of like. You know, I'm going to be cool. Like, if I'm a five-star recruit in 2001, uh, they're going to get another five-star recruit in 2002, another five-star recruit in 2003. Like, how does that work? How does everybody just sit there for four years of college? I hated sitting and watching. I don't give a dang what you were talking about in terms of, like, you know, friends or classes or, like, what kind of food they had in the choir. I didn't give a damn. Like, I wanted to play. So I never really understood that. And I like the fact that, you know, I think the institutional control was to a point where people didn't have the ability to do that. People, for one reason or another, you couldn't get out. And I think it's cool to let, see some of these kids get a chance to get out there and find another situation for themselves if the one they're in doesn't work out. But I agree with you to a degree. Like, I, I don't want to see them transferring three times in a year. Like, I don't love that. But uh, I do like the flexibility of them being able to go somewhere and find a better situation. So I used to hate it. I used to hate all transfers. Like, I hate it. I think you have to evolve your views. I think I have. I think you have to look at each one specifically. That's why I don't like Blake right, Barnett. Right. Now, Jacob Eason is an interesting one. He went to Georgia as a five-star, started as a true freshman, played pretty good, then was playing, then got hurt. Yeah. Then Jake Fromm, another five-star, comes in, plays really well, takes Georgia to the playoffs. And you're out. And you're out. Right. So for him, he's already played a lot. He's probably not going to play. They also signed another five-star, which is a whole other story. So it's crowded. So I'm like, all right, if he wants to go play, he's good. He's shown he's good enough to be a starting caliber SEC quarterback. Right. Go find a place where there's a better opportunity. Like there, there. I think you have to look at everything situationally. Right. Like everybody. No, I agree. Situation. All right. You were out, I think, when this news came out. Gambling. <laughs> it is legal now. It is on. So now you have to get into it. We have to open an account. For right. Rajah Bell. And we have a new segment that we're going to do every podcast. Oh. It's called Picks and Props. Yep. Picks and Props. You're bored right here. Undefeated. What? One or no? Debo is one or no. Wait, and I'm on here. I must have been. Oh no, I'm zero and zero. I'm zero and zero. My bad. So we have a game seven that we need to pick. Okay. We have the Lightning. They're a minus one forty five favorite. And we have the Capitals, who are a plus one twenty five underdog. Where's the game? That's a great question. In Tampa. In Tampa. Yeah, I'm taking. I'm taking Lightning. I am with you. Caps have been very good on the road this postseason. Caps have been better oh, on the road. They're that's close. Right. They've, they fought their way back into the series. They were up 2-0, and then they blew a couple, that's and then right. they back that's into right. it. I'm still taking the Lightning. Yeah, I'm still taking the Lightning, yeah. too. Debo, who you got? I got Caps. The prop, what number is higher? The number of countries on Jim Harbaugh's passport or the number of seconds that it takes 53-year-old Rafael Palmero to round the bases, Harbaugh in Michigan, Visiting South Africa next year after taking the Wolverines to Italy and France in the past couple of years. Palmero at 53 hit an independent league home run the other night and it took him a while. It did. Around all the bases. It took him at least 20 seconds. Like he was, he was That's not so moving great. very fast. Both great stories. Love yes. Palmero. And he's on the same team with his son, which oh, is really so cool. cool. Yeah. I love what Harbaugh does. He's not coming close to 20 seconds or th- 20 countries. Right. I love what he's doing. Like, if you can't pay the players, do things and give them experiences that they're never going to experience. Like, spend a lot of the money you have in on those them. coffers. Spend it on them. And these are experiences. Like, last year they got to meet the Pope. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's pretty insane. Like, yeah. they got to do that. They're going to South Africa. Like, that is a major trip that most of these guys will probably never get the experience to do. It's going to be unbelievable. It's going to be a lifetime memory for these players. So, I love what he's doing. I do, too. I, um uh... 
it's about experiences. It's about, you know, it's about exposure. Yeah. You know, for some of these guys, it's a, you know, exposure. You want your college to expose you to things that, that, um, that give you a different worldview. That, Absolutely. That let you know there are bigger and better things out there to, to, to try to achieve. So I'm, I'm all with that. And I, I've been on record as saying Harbaugh, like I believe underachieves a little bit at Michigan oh, and I talk all that, but this I'm is fantastic. Yeah, for sure. Read and react. I told you quarterbacks got to read and react. Yeah. All right. You probably pretty good at this too from your basketball days. I would imagine. No, that's why I didn't play point guard. All right. So you got to react to this. Oh, well, that's true. All right. <laughs> if, if, if the Golden Knights win the Stanley Cup, so they're the expansion team. They've been unbelievably, uh, they're surprised. My, they're my team. They are your yes, team, sir. aren't they? Yes. So. Vegas could potentially lose a boatload of money because yeah. you could get them 300 to one. Some folks oh. even had them as 500 to one to win the Stanley Cup. Now they're on their way. So have you like this could, I'm oh. actually rooting more for them now because as much as those casinos, they've taken so much of my money. Sure. I'm so mad at them. <laughs> like I want to see them lose for once. Yeah. Um, that makes me want to be a gambler because like if you have like 500 why not if you're a fan of a team like that and you got like you just won a bunch of money at the casino like why not make a silly bet and drop something on a future bet like that like i would um i think it's a great story i i look i love the fact that like they're a first year team doing what they do but more than that like i was looking at them cuz i'm fascinated by like the home ice thing and i'm fascinated by by the way, they've asked those people not to put their tickets on the secondary market. Yeah. But do you know, like, the production that goes, that goes into, like, people going to those games? Like, they're dressing up. It's like a, it's like Vegas at its finest on steroids, like their games. It's incredible the atmosphere that they generate out there in Vegas. And for me, for anyone who ever said, like, pro sports can't work in Vegas for one reason or another, I just think this is awesome. So we had a couple bets that we know were made. Someone bet four hundred dollars yeah. at three hundred to one, so they could possibly win one hundred twenty grand uh, from Westgate. Another person bet five hundred dollars at two hundred one. That could be good for a hundred thousand uh, dollar uh. payout. I read something. Debo have to do this because I'm sure he would have had this if he would have seen it. I thought somebody put two hundred fifty grand. What? On them. Now that's like gotta be some billionaire who's like, eh, just screw I mean, it. yeah, why not? Go ahead. Have you heard about that, Debo? Have you heard of that? That would be like a hundred. I have not heard that. $120 million payout. Oh like that could God. basically put a casino out. Yeah. I don't know. I could have just made that up totally. Uh, I thought I read that somewhere. If not, it's true. Lie. Then that'd be a great story. Debo says it's a lie. So it must be a lie. All right. How about this one? The Browns reportedly were shot down after making a huge trade offer for Nick Foles before the draft. So the pick was the number 35 overall in this draft. Foles was consulted and he said, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I don't blame him, but I think it does speak volumes about where Nick Foles is in his career. I don't think he's a guy who's desperate to be a franchise quarterback. He's made a lot of money. He's making, I think, $5 million a year as a backup. You don't yeah. get beat up. If Carson Wentz gets hurt, if he's not fully back from his ACL, he can still play with them on a good team. Sure. I don't blame him at all. No, me like, neither. If you're the Browns, does this speak about how bad you are? Well, what it, it well, yeah, it speaks about how and people not really wanting to go to Cleveland, which, right. I mean – I loved my time in Cleveland. It was fantastic. But, but, uh, that's interesting because if they were going to, if they were going to trade 35 for Nick, Nick Foles, then it makes me wonder. I mean, they say they were hell bent on, on Baker, but would they have still taken Baker? Like what was the, what was the plan there? Yeah. If they got Nick Foles. Well, it was early. So it was the pre-draft process. Right. Yeah. It makes you wonder. They, what, maybe they could say they, maybe they would have gone with Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Cause I would have imagined they would have thought, Hey, Nick Foles would be our guy. It'd for have the to next be right. Cause you already years. have Tyrod and then you bring in Nick. Nick Foles, yeah, like, probably would have yeah. shifted their focus in the draft. Yeah, that so would, that, and then that makes you wonder how because they've sold Baker. How hard. committed were they to Baker or any right. of those quarterbacks? Right. But I think I, 
I like the philosophy because I would say always go with the known over the unknown. And right. I would have rather gone with Nick Foles knowing what you just saw. Sure. Don't we see another Corpus of career? Even though it's up and down, at least you see the up is there. Baker Mayfield, as much as I like him, you great, don't know if that upside is great there. Great shoot. Yeah, exactly. And all those quarterbacks. You yeah, know, for sure. There. So I would have done the same thing. All right. The NFL owners, I think, are discussing one of the worst possible solutions to the anthem controversy that you could possibly have out there. They've actually talked about giving the home team the option of whether keeping their team in the locker room or having them come out. Yeah. And then possibly instituting a 15-yard penalty if the team kneels during the anthem. I think this is the dumbest, most out-of-touch conversation. Like, I can't even imagine being in this locker room or this meeting room where these owners are discussing this. And I think it is an issue that the NFL needs to address and have a solution that everybody can agree on. That's not it. That is not it. Absolutely. Can you imagine an official coming out and at the start of the game throwing a penalty and be like, 15-yard penalty on the receiving team for kneeling on the – like, that is one of the dumbest solutions I think I've heard. So, it's interesting to me. It's it's ridiculous. But you've had – Everyone is trying to say that they, like there's no place in sport for the for the kneeling and so on and so forth. Well, it hasn't really. It's not in the game. Like it's prior to the game, right? It's not in the game. What you're doing now is you're making you're literally making it a part of the game. You are taking a political stance and a political view, and you are making it a part of the game, which opens up Pandora's box for so many more problems as a league. Mm-hmm. Like if you start doing this, I just think. NFL just gets a lot of this wrong, in my opinion. I think they're way too heavy-handed on some of this stuff. I uh, look, I don't, I'm not like I know I played in the NBA, so I'm biased. But there, there are ways to deal with this stuff, um, and they typically don't do it well. If if you're the NFL, in my opinion, and this is the wrong move to make. Do not bring it further into the game. You're trying to get rid of it. You need to deal with it. Levying 15-yard penalties because of somebody's political view or or their protest to something that is a very viable thing in the world right now, whether you agree with it or not, it's happening. Whether that's the time and place for it or not, fine. Don't don't penalize and bring it into the game even further. You know what I would do, and I think it's a really easy solution, and it might be controversial. I would have the players all stay in the locker room. Just That's stay. They that, do in college. No, no college team is on correct. the sideline for the national anthem. They do it, then the team comes out. Correct. And you probably you could do it for a year and then let it blow over and then let it come. Like right. But that to me seems like the no brainer solution that they're obviously having a really hard time coming to get. All those billionaires can't figure this out. Yeah. Which is kind of comical. All right, let's lighten it up a little bit with some topics. Debo, what do you got? Topics. So I don't know what I expected to go down at the royal wedding. Probably watching soccer, reruns of Suits, listening to Adele. But it sounded like a a pretty great party. James Corden led it. Idris Elba guest DJed. And then over there in the corner, it was Serena Williams just running it on the beer pong table, just further cementing her status as one of the greatest athletes of all time. The news report said she dominated at the beer pong table. What? She just- probably has the best hand-eye coordination of anybody there, like being one of the best tennis players to ever walk on the yeah. floor. Like that shouldn't be surprising. She was at the royal wedding. Yeah, wait, you didn't watch the royal wedding? No, dude. Wait. Come on, you didn't watch any of it. She like stole the show. Right, Serena was at the royal wedding. Who is Serena? Well, cool think with? about it. Wimbledon, like she meets all of them. When I she guess. Meets all yeah, the that's true. I'm assuming yeah. that's how they got tight. Who else was there? Who else? Did you say Kendrick Lamar? No, he was. I don't think he was there. No, Edris Elba. Back home. Oh, Edris Elba. Okay, all right. Back yeah, he's uh, Victoria. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. Spice. Yeah, okay, all right. Yeah. 
So Serena, I, I want to. I'm not bad at at beer pong. My buddy Gene Durkak and I, right? Huh? Like we used to have an annual barbecue like up in New Jersey at his house, and there was a beer pong tournament like every year. And it would be like the whole neighborhood. You'd have like a hundred people in this backyard. We team up beer pong. It was round robin, and then we broke down into pool play. And I believe Gene, if I'm not correct, we are undefeated. Like I'm oh, just saying. All right, I got a beer pong table. Do you really? Oh man. All it's right. What else, Debo? H- Hannah and me versus you two. Oh, it wouldn't oh, even be close even for close. a number of reasons. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll continue our uh, picks and props on that. So I live for the Instagram comment section. I know that's something Hannah does too. Kyle Kuzma posts a workout photo with caption, not much talking to do, show me. Teammate Isaiah Thomas replies, are you, are you going to be posting this dumbass bleep? All summer, LOL. Who's <laughs> responds? Shut your short ass up, Stuart Little. That's a that's a classic oh, movie reference. Stuart Little, I love it. What it is? All right, do we have background here? Is this real or is this I think like? It's fantastic. I think this, this is, is dudes talking locker room trash, okay. like just wearing each other out, like, and it's just playing out publicly. Because I don't think this is a real mean beef. Good. I think they're just like. Then I, I like it. Then thing. I like it. Me too. Then I like it. I need oh. people. I need my man. I say I'm a fan of Isaiah. I didn't love what happened this year. And if he gets into another, like if he's into another real serious beef with somebody, like it's just not a good look. So please let this be like just. I think dudes, there were emojis involved. LOL. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. We're good. Yeah. There was another time where Kuzma said he was playing on 2K with Isaiah Thomas and he didn't pass, so it was pretty realistic uh, in uh, real life. All right. So the final topic today, we have a new NBA trend to add on to short shorts and long shorts and sliding into models dms this one conspiracy theories we know that Kyrie thinks the earth is flat well nba prospect a guy that's going to be drafted next month lonnie walker thinks the earth is round but he also thinks the earth is definitely an illusion concerning for gms when they yeah. think about yes. drafting this guy in the lottery just what's wrong with you bro lonnie walker is the miami kid right so you yeah. would have a problem with this. I don't know. You'd have like, a problem. Been around? No, nah, but look, why? Like this is like what good can come from that, man? Like this is a time where you don't want to give anyone anything. Like you want to in every little presser you do at the yeah. combine or whatever, you keep it close to the vest, generic and vanilla. Like behind closed doors, if you want to, if they ask you a pointed question about personal life and stuff, and you can get into that with them, do that. But coming out with controversial views and stuff, it's a no win. Once you're five years in the league and you're a perennial all star. And you've signed your max like deal. Do whatever the hell you want to do. But you're trying to get drafted. Just shut up and keep it moving. Even though it has nothing to do, it wouldn't affect his chemistry in the it's, locker room, doesn't do anything with his basketball abilities. It just, what good does it do? <laughs> That's the question. Like, yeah, I, look, I'm not saying that I would, I would not be affected by this if I was a GM. I'm going to be clear. It would not sway my opinion. It's on just a, as a dumb player. thing to it's do. It's just at stupid. This point. Don't do it. Because some GM might. Someone may. Yeah. And all it takes is one team that Correct. might like to pass on you and now you slip to 27. Yep. Maybe he's watching too much Westworld. Like, I'm wondering where this philosophy this conspiracy theory comes from like does he think we're all generate like or is it like the matrix or yeah are we like, are we all like, now i'm kind of curious now i'm gonna go look up Lonnie we Walker's all like conspiracy. we're all like one big game of Fortnite. like we're being controlled know. by somebody <laughs> i think it's an elon musk theory yeah Ooh. i see i think that's one of those things and you have to be really i watched lonnie do his drafting and those kids go up there and they're not they're not prepared to talk about all the stuff that people are asking them and sometimes they feel like they want to impress people so bad that they get into depths that they're they're 
they're out of their depth in you know talking about these subjects. And so sometimes less is more, dude. Yep. Just go up there. Like, look, have you done all the research on Elon Musk? Like, theory of you have not. So don't get into it. All right. So you and I need to start a consulting business where we help players prep for interviews. Like, it, it, and there are already companies that do it, but obviously they're not doing a very good Straight job. Straight up, we could be much better at it. All right. That's a wrap for us. Thanks for checking us out. Raja's got to bounce. Got to get to do our CBS. Yay. You hit. So you got that. Make sure you go follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Canel and Bell. We'll be back on Friday with our five-star Q&A.